Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 130, the review for No Time to Die. East and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And today we are back to talk about the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die. Now, I had planned to talk about a couple films in between this time that I've been away, but because of random scheduling issues, I just didn't get around to it. But I knew I had to talk about this Bond film, considering that it's the last outing with Daniel Craig. And it's interesting. The marketing for No Time to Die really didn't grab me when it first started popping up last year. And I think for a lot of people, me included, we were just tired and ready to move on from Daniel Craig as James Bond just because Spectre left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And considering some of his sort of up and down comments about his experience with the Bond character, I think everybody was literally just ready to move on. But slowly but surely, I think with this film finally getting released after its delays due to the pandemic, the later trailers definitely started to show more size to the action and certain story elements that grab people in a way that I think the first set of trailers really didn't. But yeah, I went from being literally not interested in this at all. I wasn't going to watch this, you know, opening day at all. But then slowly but surely, uh, the marketing and some of the early responses behind it swayed me a little bit. So I saw it yesterday, which as of the time of this recording in the UK, it's October 1st. And I have stuff to say about this film. But before I get into all that, I just want to give you my thoughts about the Daniel Craig James Bond film so far. Back in 2006, when Casino Royale came out, I was interested in this new incarnation of Bond a lot, just because it looked a little bit more action heavy. And it ended up being one of my favorite films, not only of that year, but of all time. Casino Royale is a blast. I rewatched it recently and it still holds up so well. I'm really annoyed that I don't watch that film more often. It has so much fun with its story, its characters, and the level of tension, rawness, and I know people tend to overuse this term these days, but it's fairly grounded. The fact that Bond has a little bit more emotion, a little bit more drama, he's a little bit more vulnerable. The fact that he actually gets beat up and like, you know, has near death like uh, experiences is pretty crazy. And it also has like pretty much the best relationship that Bond has ever had on screen with anyone ever because it felt real and tangible. And I just love the sheaf, man. Like Mads Mikkelsen, what a dude. Um, but there's some really good tension, some really good um, intense scenes and the music is great. And You Know My Name is one of my all time favorite jams. R.I.P. Chris Cornell, my dude. So yeah, we went from that to Quantum of Solace, which was the hugest disappointment I ever felt in the cinema at the time because, you know, Casino Royale was hype as hell. And I know that the uh, writer's strike had something to do with the way in which this film ended up turning into, like, you know, the mess that it was. But you go from such a high point to such a crushing low point. I'd say Quantum of Solace has a good introduction, 
I like the actors involved besides the villain who was just bizarre. He's he's one of the silliest people I've ever seen, although he does have one of my favourite lines in any film ever when that one dude drops onto his car. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say besides the opening sequence, the only other thing I really like about the film is the theme song. And I know that's blasphemy for some people because... A lot of people think, um, you know, Another Way to Die is one of the worst uh, Bond songs ever. But there is something fun about that song that I cannot get enough of. So I am on my island and I will die there. Anyway, moving on four years, we had Skyfall. And what a bloody return to form that was. I remember watching this film at uni and I was just like, I am so surprised by how good this is. Sam Mendes and the people behind this film did a great job of marrying that sort of action, raw, more grounded side of Bond that we've seen in recent years with the more classic elements that we'd seen in the older films, such as like, you know, some of the more uh, classic gadgets, cars and location and um, the music. Oh, my God. Thomas Newman's film score is godly. And I just love the personal story it tells between Bond M and Raul Silva, uh, Javier Bardem is amazing, that hair, that look, his personality, he's so charismatic, charming, and like, you know, just sinister as well, and learning about his backstory, I love it, it's a really damn good film, and I still flip between which Bond film is my favourite between Casino Royale and Skyfall, they both have really great elements to them, and then you have that theme song by Adele, which I'm not in love with but at the same time I can respect it because it's channeling these sort of more classic Bond songs that we got before with female performances like uh, Diana Ross and uh, I guess Tina Turner way back when but yeah it's a, it's a good song for what it is it's just not one of my favorite Bond songs and then you have Spectre falling into the realm of disappointment once again because we were riding off that high of uh, Skyfall and after re-watching it, I will say that Spectre wasn't as bad as I remembered. However, I still find it less entertaining than Skyfall and Casino Royale. I appreciate what the film tried to do. It had Bond on this trail to try and find breadcrumbs that led to the Spectre organization. And since he was pretty much on his own, he didn't really have the help of MI6 because they were being replaced by this higher power led by Andrew Scott, who I love that guy. But considering his face and the characters that he plays, I kind of knew from the start that he was going to be some sort of villainous character. And seeing this sort of untold story about James Bond's childhood and how Blofeld, you know, linked into that. Again, interesting elements. And the fact that we once again try to give Bond a more solid relationship for him to latch onto in terms of Leah Sadu's character. Again, I appreciate all that, but I feel like this film sort of doubled down on some of the elements that didn't need to be done in terms of, you know, more extravagant action sequences, having more classic Bond elements being incorporated into the film, but just ones that didn't work as well. And it tried to implement humor and some gadgets that didn't really, you know, work as well as they could have done. But the major problem I have with this film is the fact that, well, firstly, Blofeld exists. This film tried to do the whole Dark Knight and um, Star Trek 
into darkness situation where they tell you that there's this character and they're not the person who you think they are, but they clearly are. And then they show it off in the film and they're just like, Ooh, see, Ooh, twist. And you're just like, we knew who it was. You should have just said it in the beginning. Um, but beside the whole Blofeld situation, you have the fact that Blofeld and his Spectre organization was essentially behind everything that transpired in the previous films. And that really irked me because I'm just like, these are events that tie together in their own sort of way, but were mostly separate. But to, but the fact that you're saying to me now that this guy orchestrated everything from the shadows, it just sort of diminishes the power of those films as their own individual thing. So that just really didn't sit well with me at all. And on top of that, you have this relationship between Madeline Swan and Bond that materializes out of nowhere in the sense that you have these two characters tied together because of Mr. White. And, you know, they have that sort of um, story arc where they go from, you know, not liking each other to having to trust each other to then, like, you know, forming a relationship. We've seen that done before. However, I felt like it wasn't done as well as it should have been. And they just sort of go from hating each other to being in love at the end. I'm like, what are you talking about? This didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like it materialized in a good way at all. Bad film. Bad. But I will say the introduction sequence with that one shot through Mexico City, incredible. The music is still pretty good. And I will say that the theme song Writing on the Wall by Sam Smith I like this one more musically, but I don't like it as much as Skyfall. I find it, as a song, just very bland. And as a theme song, unlike, you know, Casino Royale and Skyfall that, you know, messed the theme song into the film score, this one just didn't have as much of a resonance with me. Oh, and they completely wasted Monica Bellucci what a shame I was severely disappointed about that and finally Dave Bautista he was running around as some sort of big burly Terminator-esque kind of guy and while I appreciated his screen presence and how much physicality he brought to the role it was still a big nothing and finally Christoph Waltz I love him I really do but I found his version of Blofeld just so meh and it was mainly Christoph Waltz's, you know, charisma and charm as an actor that was really carrying that performance. But yeah, Spectre is still just a, it's a film that's there. And so, yeah, that's my general thoughts on the Daniel Craig Bond films up until this point. Sorry for rambling on, but I felt the need to, you know, at least summarize that as I've not really talked about James Bond on this podcast at all up until now. So now we're moving on to No Time to Die. So as per usual, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about the story, characters, presentation, and the overall conclusion. So without further ado, let's jump in. So the plot for the film could be summed up as the following. Bond has left active service and is living his life in peace. However, an old friend of his, Felix Leiter, you, who you guys will remember from Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, he comes to him with another dude from the CIA asking him for help. So Bond goes on the trail which leads to a mysterious villain with a dangerous new technology. And that is a way for me to summarize the film without going into the area of spoilers. I thought the plot for this film was pretty good. It did a good job of incorporating most of the plot elements from the previous film and improving on them in certain ways. But it also took story elements as far back as Casino Royale and made them relevant again. 
while some of those older elements didn't feel right to me to be brought back up again because I felt like some of them were resolved already, for the story that they were doing, especially when it came to the relationship that Bond has to Madeline Swan, it made sense. And I liked how this film tried to go for a more subtle, human and dramatic approach. Now, there has been a more dramatic element brought to the Bond character since Casino Royale, and it's worked to varying degrees. I would say it's best times where it effectively brought the right level of drama to these films was in Casino Royale and Skyfall. I feel like this film tries it at a slightly different way, but it still works. There's certain things because of the way in which Spectre handled its story and characters, certain things don't have the right level of payoff that you'd want just because again i feel like the way in which the relationship between madeline and bond was handled in the previous film means that certain things don't resonate as strongly as the film would like you to you know want essentially but like the previous films i feel like this one is tapping more into that more traditional side of bond in terms of the plot how the villain is operating and you know we've got another tale of revenge but it works for the most part and talking about like how we lean into the more traditional classic bond um story elements i would also say that this film's attempt at humor is like you know diving a little closer to those older films not so cheesy but just in terms of having humor there because i would say the daniel craig era of films have had humor but i would say the first two definitely were more devoid of it it was just a little bit more subtle but once you got to skyfall and especially spectre they proper try to lay on like some of these jokes and i'm like this ain't working for me man it's you know it feels like you're trying a little too hard but this time the jokes felt like they were a little bit more natural they worked a little better and when it came to the conclusion of this film i would say that this film if you've seen any type of you know action spy movies and you've seen how a series progresses you have a rough idea of how this film is going to play out and how it will conclude and i will say that for the most part it's a satisfactory end to this series of movies Alright, now it's time to talk about the cast, and I felt like everybody did a great job, though some people clearly stood out more so than others. So let's start with Daniel Craig as James Bond. He was in top form in this film. I quite liked him. I like how Bond in this film is dealing with a lot of trauma, not only from the previous film, but from films prior to Spectre as well. And you can see that he is going up against forces much greater than himself. While he's dealt with a lot of drama beforehand, this is stuff that is right in his face and affects him to the core. And I thought that, as per usual, Craig brought that nice level of humanity, physicality, and charm to the role that he always does. He was just really fun to watch in this film, and I was satisfied with this being his final film. Leah Sadu as Madeline Swan, she was pretty good as well. Her role was a little bit more subtle than it was in the previous film, but understanding where she was in the last film, how it relates to this one, and how we get to learn a few more details about her past, it was pretty solid. Sadu, as per usual, is really, really good. I had a good time with her. Also, you have Ben Whishaw as Q, still fun, still quirky, still smart. 
with Shaw as Q has been one of my favorite delights in this franchise and he's just really solid I had a good time with him Naomi Harris is Eve Moneypenny still good still solid she is wonderful and while I wanted to see more of her in this film I thought she was pretty good Jeffrey Wright returns as Felix Leiter, one of my favorite people from Casino Royale. Jeffrey Wright is just one of those sort of guys, when you see him around, you know you're going to have a good time. He's always been good, and I was so happy to see him. His use in this film was pretty cool, and it establishes that nice link between this and the first film where Daniel Craig showed up as James Bond, so that was fun. Christoph Waltz returns as Blofeld, and I thought he was pretty good. He's a little bit more subdued, he's a little bit more restrained, but he still has a little bit of that Christoph Waltz charm that makes him so fun to watch. And then you have Ray Fiennes as M, and he was good. His role was a little bit more interesting than it was last time around, but I did enjoy him. Alright, and next up is Lashana Lynch as Nomi, also known as the new 007. At least I hope I said her name correctly. Now, before this film came out, when it was announced that she was going to be the new 007, there was a big hullabaloo online with, you know, that age-old argument about women not being able to be, you know, the new James Bond and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like the media really ran with it and blew it out of proportion, as they do with a lot of controversial slash different kind of things that's happening in a film without context. Much like what happened when they made Sulu gay in Star Trek Beyond, when you actually see it in the context of the film, it's subtle, it means nothing, and it was really a non-story to begin with. With this new 007, she is cool, efficient, she plays by the book and is less problematic than Bond. And you can see why she is an agent that has earned that title. And you can see her and Bond butt heads on a couple of occasions, but they come to have an understanding at a certain point throughout the film. And Lashana's performance was really good. I quite enjoyed her. Whereas in Captain Marvel, I didn't find her role all that interesting. She's given a lot more to do. She's very efficient in her action sequences. And she just has good chemistry with everybody else involved. So I quite liked her. And then you have Ana de Armas as Paloma. Now, when I saw her in what is admittedly a really great dress, I was fearful that she was going to slip into a more traditional Bond girl role where she was just there to be oogled at and didn't have much substance beyond that. But she was really fun. She's like this sort of new agent that's new to the job and seeing her have this really great upbeat fun playful attitude in the midst of chaos is really good she got the throw down had some really cool action scenes and her on-screen chemistry with daniel craig is really good they had some great scenes together and i really enjoyed her performance in this film and now we come to rami malik as the main bad guy whose name i'm probably going to butcher but we're going to give it a go his name is uh lusty sifa safin yeah, I probably butchered that. But basically, you have a villain who falls in line with, you know, that sort of perspective where they feel like they are the hero and they have a plan to basically rid the world of a certain thing that they feel, um, you know, would benefit the world, but, you know, in their own crazy way. And while you understand his backstory and it's interesting to see how he has ties to some of the other characters in the film... I thought he was just a bit of a generic villain, unfortunately. 
there's not much in his, uh, you know, story that makes him, you know, wildly unique from a lot of other bad guys you see in films. And unfortunately, even though Rami Malek on occasion was pretty creepy and, you know, intimidating with that weird glare of his, I just found him ultimately disappointing. He doesn't have the style, the suave charisma or a distinctive look that makes him, you know, stand out amidst the other Bond villains that's come before, especially in this recent set. And yeah, it was just a shame that we didn't have a villain who had more of a, you know, physical and uh, crazy impact on the plot. All right, now it's time to talk about the presentation. I would say for the most part, it's pretty solid. Visually, this film is pretty good. And while it doesn't reach the ridiculous heights that came with Skyfall Inspector, it has its own unique spin on how it shoots action. There is a nice sense of space to some of these establishing shots when you get to go to different locations. It's all very nice and accentuates the beauty of said locations. And we do get to go to a nice variety of spots, whether they be out in nature or some cities that have old ruins or nice cobble street locations or interiors of nice traditional buildings or more industrial based locations. They're all done pretty well. I would say the action is shot pretty well, whether you're talking about car chase scenes or gun shootouts and the gun shoots, the gun shootout sequences are pretty nice. Some good stuff for Bond, some good stuff for the new 007, some good stuff for most of the characters involved. It all looks pretty nice. And I also quite like the film score, which is handled by Hans Zimmer. I find it interesting and kind of funny that Hans Zimmer is now played in both spy franchises because he did the film score for Mission Impossible 2 way back when, and now he stepped over into the Bond territory with no time to die. And I would say that his film score for the most part is good. It feels like it's in line with what came with Thomas Newman's material beforehand in terms of how he handles the more subtle and guitar based material but then when things start to amp up and get a little bit more intense especially with the uh, crazy action sequences towards the third act of the film he does start to implement some of those sounds that you would recognize from the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception while not that sort of hard-hitting crazy sound that you know, comes with certain films that he does. It's subtle enough that if you're attuned to how Zimmer handles his film scores, you'll definitely notice that sort of cinematic flair that he inserts and it slowly but surely builds throughout the film. It accentuates what's happening on screen and it's pretty good. And then of course we have the new theme song, No Time to Die, which was done by Billie Eilish. Now I think the last two Bond films, I checked out the theme songs beforehand, but Honestly, Billie Eilish is just not for me, so I didn't bother. And checking it out in the course of the film with the new title sequence, it's alright. I would say its best element is that it doesn't outstay its welcome, it's short and it's straight to the point. And her voice is pretty good for this type of song. But again, just as an overall theme song, it just didn't do much for me. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, No Time to Die is a good time and a solid send-off for the Daniel... Craig era of Bond films. While the story and villain didn't resonate with me as much as I would have liked, there is enough here to warrant you go out and see it in the cinema if it is possible. I will say however, do be sure to give the previous films a watch, especially Spectre, because there is a lot of story material that feeds into those previous films, especially Spectre, because 
without that, you're going to be a tad confused unless you have a really good memory because the Daniel Craig era films have made a habit of linking into each other and having direct consequences as of the previous film that preceded it. Because with Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace was the direct sequel, which we'd never really had in a Bond film series before that. And then Skyfall sort of eased up on the continuity a little bit. But then when you got to Spectre, Spectre fed right in from what happened with Skyfall. And then this film is pretty much directly linked to Spectre. So No Time to Die relies upon you having known all of the key factors of Bond's previous adventures. So do keep that in mind. I would say this is probably my third favorite film in the series. I'd still say Casino Royale and Skyfall are still leagues ahead, but this is definitely better for me than Spectre and Quantum of Solace. So now I need to know, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of this film and where does it rank for you in the Daniel Craig era of Bond films? Let me know in the comments section below or holler at me on Twitter where I'm at Hypersonic 55 or at FilmFocus55. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and all those other good places. And yeah, that'll do it for now. Thank you for listening as always. And until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.